Hey, welcome to the 100th episode of Textual Healing. I'm your host, Mallory Smart, and today I'll be joined by the first person who was ever interviewed by Textual Healing, Nick Gregorio. Before diving into this insanely special show, I want to ask all of you listeners out there to check out our Patreon to help this podcast go on for even another 100 episodes. You can find a link for it on our Twitter at PodHealing, and I personally always love it when people leave Textual Healing a review on Apple Podcasts. Back to this episode, Nick and I catch up with what he's been doing since the first time he's been on here. We gossip about other writers, talk about his recent book tour for his novel Launch Me to the Stars, I'm Finished Here, his life as a new dad, and how he's devoting more time to his band, Grayson. Without giving any of the other randomness away, here's Nick. I'm sorry this was so difficult. It's like... I don't understand it. Last night it was like <laughs> I, I, I was I was looking out my kitchen window, which the the previous owners built like a little sunroom beyond the kitchen window, so it's like a window into the house essentially. Mm-hmm. And I saw a hat out there that I wanted to get ready because I'm training for a half marathon, half heartedly, and um, <laughs> and. I went out and I said, you know, I'm, there's my hat. I'm going to go get it so I can put my stuff together. And I went out there and I closed the door behind me and I realized that it wasn't the hat I was looking for. And then I locked myself out and my cell phone and <laughs> the baby monitor <laughs> were, were on the coffee table on the other side of my house. And the front door was locked, too. So that's my son playing with toys. Sorry. That's Miles, cool. come here, buddy. Come here. Anyway, I was out there for like an hour (laughs) in the sweltering heat. I just like when you said that that was not the hat you were looking for. You said it like a Jedi. (laughs) Well, watching a lot of Star Wars right now with Ahsoka and everything. So, um, Mm. yeah, it's it's fitting, I suppose. Aww. Yeah, you hear him? He's pissed. So really, we have two guests on the show. Then we have you and Miles. Miles, yeah. Say hi, Miles. Can you say hello? No, he just wants his bottle. That's okay. Yeah, he's like, I'm not here for your entertainment. (laughs) No, yeah. So I got. I was supposed to be home much earlier than I was. I got home. Um, So my mom had to leave. So (laughs) I've got. I've got my buddy until. Don't touch the microphone, please. Well, maybe he does want to be on the show then. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I don't. He hasn't really spent a ton of time in this room, and I have like action figures all over the place. So he's pretty impressed with me at the moment. I mean, I would be too if I was a kid, just be like, "What is this new space?" And then, yeah, yeah. like that's yeah. just unexplored territory. It is. It is, and it's also where we iron. So I had to like wrap the iron up and make sure that he couldn't pull it down on top of himself. Yeah, we we won't be held liable if that happens. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, I don't need to hear a thud and then be like, shit, Nick killed this kid. I'm so, yeah, so sorry. Because I was on your podcast, I brained my kid with the iron. <laughs> like, I, I don't need that responsibility, no. No, I get it. I really do. But I'm not going to lie, it would make the most hysterical show. <laughs> <laughs> of course it would. <laughs> Be like, and celebrate our 100th episode. Nick's kid got horribly injured. <laughs> yeah, right. The only thing that would have made it worse is if the iron was plugged in. 
Ooh, yeah. See? Would have yep. branded him? Just like yeah, he would have looked like Marv him. from Home Alone 2. Oh, my God. I miss <laughs> Home Alone. <laughs> you know what, though? Like, the first Home Alone is, like, kitty hijinks and fun. Home Alone 2, he's just, like, all of those things would murder them. Like, they would be dead. So he's a, he's a real psycho killer in, in the second one. I'd like to argue he was a psycho killer in the beginning of the first one, too. He could have just called the cops. He wanted to toy with them. No, that's legit. That's legit. Yeah, but, like, he wasn't, like, hitting people with a lead pipe or <laughs> blowing them up with a kerosene toilet. That one was good. <laughs> or hitting Marvin in the face with five bricks. See, this is how it sucks is I'm starting to actually, like, get the blurred things right now. In the house is when he has, like, all the, like, uh, broken ornaments and everything, right? And that's, like... Yeah, in the time. first one, right. Okay, yeah. I should know this, that that was filmed here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I seriously drive by that house occasionally. <laughs> that's awesome. And I'm just like, yeah, it's a home loan house. No one will buy it because it's overpriced. Yeah, it, uh, I've heard it's very expensive. Yeah, I mean, I think it would actually be pretty frustrating to own the Home Alone house anyways. Just to have people drive by or take photos in front of it and stuff? Yeah, I mean, I think I already told you, like, it had to be over a year ago. We went to Astoria, Oregon, and we found the Goonies house. Yeah. I felt so bad for those people. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? They made it good for themselves. They actually had a donations box. Right, like where like you could take a picture and they're like, if you're gonna take a picture, please donate some money. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I would do yeah. that too. See, that's like I'm I'm very similar in that I want to go see those places that I that I loved in movies and books, but like instead of like the Home Alone house, I'm like, hey, I'm in Edinburgh. I want to go check out the train station where they all shot a heroin and train spotting. So it's really cool that you agreed to be on this. Yeah, 100th episode, right? I was I was on the first as well? Yes, you were. That's wild. I teased about doing something for the 100th like 30 yeah. episodes ago. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I can't just do the previously scheduled episode for t- like this weekend. I got to do something different. Right. <laughs> and immediately I was like, what is something different? Do I like try and annoy someone I haven't like had on the show yet? And then I was like, Nick, I'll get <laughs> Nick on the show. <laughs> First and hundredth. It works. Yeah, Yeah, now I'll need to be on the the 200th. Every hundred episodes, we're going to bring you back out. Hey, buddy, your mom's here. Hey, we just got a cameo from there. Yeah. Bye, buddy. You can't play with that. No, no, no. Come on, go with your mom. I will. Mallory could hear. <laughs> my wife said my wife says hello. Yeah, I heard her. <laughs> okay, good. That's cool. Yeah. It's so sad. I actually haven't met her yet. No, no, you haven't. Um I don't know why. I mean, I guess because most of the time I was traveling to hang out with you guys, it was like odd timing that just didn't work out with schedules. And in the greatest irony, the person who met her was Belent, not me. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. You weren't able to make the book launch um, that year. 
Yeah. And boom, yeah, literally planes, trains, and automobile to your reading. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I remember um, I mean, like, hey, do you need a you know place to stay? He's like, no. I'm like, do you, where are you staying? He goes, I don't know yet. I'm like, okay. Jeez. <laughs> oh, that, that's our attitude in life. <laughs> I don't know how... I'm so, um, I mean, I would say, I was going to say I'm so old, but like, I was always like the point where if I don't know where I'm going to be sleeping, I'm going to be stressed out. Yeah, I get that these days. Yeah. I mean, I remember being like 12, (laughs) you know what I mean? (laughs) And being all like Nick Miller kind of old man-ish. See, now I get really, like, annoyed if I don't know where I'm going to go to sleep at night. But, like, when we first started doing, like, writing and everything, I wouldn't even know where I was going to stay, like, during the day. I slept on the docks in, like, San Francisco once when I was, like, 20. Like, Oh, my God. That wasn't even, like, a big deal then. Although, in retrospect, as an adult, that is a big deal, and I really was not being smart. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best part, really, looking back when you're like, wow, I was an idiot when I was in my early 20s. But no, now I'm that person who, like, I am really bitchy and tense if I'm not going to go to, like, have prepared stuff and everything. When I was in Philadelphia, when you're not at the reading. Yeah, year, I missed that. Right I around the know corner, I, was, I missed you again. I didn't know where I was going to be sleeping that night because the uh, bed and breakfast was, like, taking forever. So I literally, Boo was, like, getting annoyed. I was like, we're just going to go to every random coffee shop I can, and I'm just going to pass out for 30 minutes until the reading. <laughs> nice. And we did. Like, for 30 minutes, we would just go to, like, a different place, and he'd order coffee while I'm trying to pass out. And then I finally dragged myself to Christina's for the reading. That's so funny. It's always fun because, like, nobody knows, like, how disheveled and fucked up you are inside. He's like, oh, yeah, this is the publisher. I'm like, uh-huh, yeah, I'm a totally together person. Yeah, I've, I'm, I'm together, I'm collected, and I'm calm. I so feel professional, good. I think. I, yeah. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> yeah, it's too fun. It's, it's, I, um, I was just in uh, Boulder um, at Trident Books and, and, um, Hillary Leftwich was one of the readers that night and um, she was just so kind and I was so nervous to talk to her. And then the next day or maybe a day later, um, I posted some pictures on Facebook or something and she was she just commented and said the nicest thing about me. And um, I'm, I'm thinking, man, I'm glad that I'm able to have people see what I you know see that, you know, really excited kind, outgoing, sort of, like, people person that I'm able to muster up under certain certain situations, because, like, most of the time, I'm, like, the guy last night locked out of his house, hiding in his driveway, too afraid to knock on the neighbor's door to ask for his cell phone. <laughs> I was telling Belent about that, and I was like, oh, wow, t- time really has changed, because he's like, why didn't he just have a neighbor with an extra key? And I was like, this isn't the 90s anymore. I wouldn't give a key to my neighbors. No! Like, no way! I'm t- listen, I don't like small talk, you know what I mean? I don't like to be like, hey, neighbor, what are you doing over there? Blowing leaves? Yep. Okay, then. See ya. <laughs> I mean, that's I terrible to it. me. 
when people try to like be your friend. That's why right now I'm okay with being in an apartment, but we're going to be living in a house soon, and that scares me. I don't want to know how you actually have to deal with people. Um, I don't. <laughs> I don't deal with people. I think I will I, be I, like Unabomber. Like, I'm just going to be <laughs> hidden away. <laughs> I think most well, people don't even think I really do anything in here. Because anytime they see me, like, step out of the apartment, I'm always wearing the same shit. And I always look disheveled. <laughs> you know, so, like, I'm not going to not say hello or wave if somebody does. You know what I mean? But for the most part, I am... Like, from the door to the car and then out. Like, I'm not looking around. I'm not looking to, you know, get in a conversation with somebody. My wife is, like, she has this wonderful gift of being able to, you know, feel comfortable in a situation enough to, you know, talk to somebody on a, on a really base level. that Have they had have people tell you about themselves? You know as, what I mean? As opposed to, like, just blathering on about, like, myself, which is what I would do. Um and I just don't have that talent. So I'm, I'm like, you know, just running to my car to avoid talking to my neighbors. I'm like terrified to talk to somebody because I'm afraid it's like that, you, you know, your idiot gear gets put on and you, you say one thing that you'll get in your car and drive away and be like, damn it, I said that thing. And now I'm going to stare at the ceiling tonight and I'm going to think about this tomorrow. And, you know, I'm going to go back and say, hey, remember that thing I said six months ago? I didn't mean it. And they're going to be like, I don't even know what you're saying to me. What is your name? Yeah, this is why I can't have neighbors. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm just going to hide in the apartment for the rest of my life. You'll never see me again. <laughs> Listen, the house is awesome. The house is great. You're going to love being in the house. I promise. Yeah, I mean, I guess it means I don't have to run into them in, like, the elevator. That's always oh. the most... You can actually tell age ranges based on people's elevator behavior, really. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Gen totally. Xers, they'll try and make small talk. Baby boomers, they will definitely talk to you. Millennials, we all walk onto the elevator and like we find a designated spot to stare into space. <laughs> yes. <laughs> totally. There, there's always that, that old guy that like if the, the elevator makes like a shaking sort of motion, he goes up. Oh! Oh, we don't fall. Like, it's not, what? It's not going to happen. Like, that's, also, if it does, I'm going to blame you when I'm dead. See, our elevator, we do occasionally make comments because our elevator's broken down a few times. Oh, God. Have you ever been trapped in an elevator? No, but I'm terrified that one of these days it's going to be me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just Justin Timberlake, it's going to be May. <laughs> Uh, well, soon enough, you'll be able in. to lock yourself out of your own home and stand creepily in your driveway until someone comes I'd rather you. have that. You're less trapped. You could just walk away. <laughs> That's true. But, you know, I couldn't because I, I had to watch the, uh, the baby monitor through the front window like a monster. That's just hilarious. <laughs> just write a short story about that, please. I don't know how, because it's so stupid. Like, my, my wife pulled up last night after I'd been standing for a half an hour, and she she immediately was like, what happened? Something so horrible that you couldn't even text me about it, nor wait for me to get inside, has to be said. And <laughs> I was, like, sweating, and be like, please don't ask me about it. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, um, yeah, got a really big kick out of it. Yeah, that sounds... 
know. It's definitely better that we did this today instead of yesterday. We never would have been able to hold it together. I wouldn't. I was so frazzled, dude. It was bizarre. Like, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. Like, I totally removed myself from it. Like, I would say a couple times last night, I was like, hey, remember when I locked myself out of the house for an hour and just stood in the driveway instead of <laughs> asking for help? So, tell me more about the tour. I mean, it's not exactly like a Nick going all around the world, but like right. you've been popping up in places to places. How yeah. have you been planning those? Like, how do you select where you're going? Oh, Lordy. Um, so, I, I started, well, so most of the dates were in Pennsylvania around, um, but then I did one in, in uh, um, oh my God, North Carolina, Asheville, North Carolina, and then uh, Boulder, Colorado. And I picked those mostly because I know Claire and I, you know, Claire has done readings in her town. So I thought the best person to ask would be the person who's done it. So she hooked me up with a couple um, numbers and email addresses of bookstores around that area. Uh, and then Trident is Trident Books is, is like the home of Trident Press. So I thought that would be a pretty fitting place to do a thing. Um, and we had like a huge list of people and then a number of people couldn't do it. And then we wound up getting for the Boulder date, uh, Kevin Samsel and Hillary Leftwich and Kathy Fish and Claire too. Um, and that was amazing. And then, uh, Claire also read on the North Carolina date, but, uh, in PA it was, uh, Arcadia university, um, where I got my MFA, I went back and I, I did a book event there with Genevieve Betts. Um, she's a poet. She's fantastic. Um, and then, uh, I did, I threw myself a party essentially by having a release party in a, in a brewery. And it kind of felt like throwing myself a, like a surprise birthday party. It felt bizarre to do that. Um, and then I had another date planned at a Barnes and Noble where I wrote this book, launched me to the stars and finished here available from Trident press. 2023 <laughs> um and they, they they totally blew it up it's not happening now so that's a that was a real bummer that's bummer. what happens when you trust barnes and noble i know right i know it's all those things where i want to be like fuck barnes and noble but it's also that's the first place i actually got starbucks from so yeah and it's also like the only place where people that aren't plugged into like the the an indie lit scene like like you and i are and like know of people like Kevin Samsel, who's like a superhero to us and the Hillary Leftwich and Kathy Fish. I mean, Kathy Fish is like Tom Spanbauer level storyteller. You know what I mean? You got like a pretty good list of readers. Like I was, was going to say, how did you get all those people? Claire. Claire, Claire Hopple. <laughs> is she like the secret, like awesome person in the lit world who's just like the mover and shaker for everything? I guess so. Well, I think she's unafraid to ask people to do a thing, you know, whereas like I'm afraid of the no. Um, I don't think Claire is. I think she's just like, I'm going to I'm going to ask this person. And if they say yes, great. If not, that'll be that. Um, See, I'm terrified of the no also. Yeah. The no's big. It's bad. But like the book with um, I did with Fran Delario, like he his first poetry collection has pencil art from Scott Hutchison from uh, Frightened Rabbit because he literally messaged him on Facebook and asked him if he would like to do it. See, that's really the way you got... Let's, let's all just say we're going to be like Claire. That's the lesson here. 
Yeah, I, I think. <laughs> listen, she's an incredible writer and 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 just a terrific person, um, who is just willing to be cool and help people out. It's it's really, I've I've stumbled into a network of like the kindest people I've ever been, you know, had the pleasure of being around. Like between you and Belent and and uh, Nate from Trident and Claire and Kevin. Uh, and Kathy and Hillary and Nick Fariella. Like, I just, there's so many people that I've just come in contact with just because I, I write and just because, you know, I've been given a chance at a couple places to be able to put my, my stuff into like a wider arena. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm so incredibly grateful to know people like that because it, I, I don't know how, after being, a, you know, I just spent like 20 minutes talking about how afraid I am to talk to people. Like these are really wonderful, and you know I like to call I'm I, I'm referring to them as friends. It's it, it's like you know we we see each other mostly on the internet, but man, we are part of a community that is like we get it when it comes to who each other is, and that's just really really cool. Very cool. I like I don't know. Almost I want to do a thing where can people who are avid listeners of textual healing listen and find out how many times I have complimented Claire. <laughs> like, I feel like it's gotta be a high number. Yeah. Well, listen, I, I feel like, um, you know, she, her writing is so good. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's enviable. Like if, if, if she weren't so damn nice, I'd be like supremely jealous and sort of like angry, like Hemingway sort of jealous. You know what I mean? Like ripping your shirt open and be like, yeah, like hey, like the kind of jealous you where you're like, cast? yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like when you'll like you'll lose uh, a boxing match to F. Scott Fitzgerald and be mad at the ref. See exactly. that kind of thing. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how did you like first get to know Claire? Was that because she was an editor for Malden for a brief amount of time, or is it because you're both Malden books, or did I have nothing to do with this? No, I think I bought. I bought her book, um, her first book, um, sort of spur of the moment. I'm kind of like, if I see a, if I see somebody, um, you know, um, advocating for a book, um, I'll just buy it sometimes. And, and that was kind of the thing that I did. I just bought that book. And then we did, um, one of, uh, one of her stories on the podcast. I used to be on book record beer, um, and then from there, it sort of was like, hey, I like your writing. Could you read this over for me? Uh, and then um, and then we wound up on two different presses together on two different like, books. Like, it was it was a wild uh, chain of events, but yeah. Yeah, I remember her asking if she should do Trident, and, like, I was telling her about it. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I see, I somewhat had an element there, see? Yeah, well, I think most of if not all of my, you know, publication success, writing success comes from Modeling House anyway. So it's just, that makes perfect sense to me. Yes, I'd like to imagine that we are actually the secret mover and shaker of the entire alt-lit world. Wait, well, let's, let's, let's just like go down the list, okay? Anymore. What, what are we calling <laughs> No, anymore? not anymore, right? Well, let's just go down the list, right? You, you, you put out um, a Bud Smith, you put out a Claire Hopple, you put out... Uh, uh, Nate's book. Um, y- you you've put into the world incredible things, and I think that's 
pretty amazing. See, the fun part about being a publisher that's done so much is as you were starting to like recite titles, I just pulled up our own website so I could remember <laughs> everything I've published. <laughs> It's just like, are you going to say other names? Let me make sure. <laughs> yeah. Let me well, you know what? I, had, I had all these names in my head. And then as soon as I started saying them, mm, forgot them all. <laughs> I know. It's like, he's going to bring up like Christina. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. Misty. Yes. You put out Misty's book, which is incredible. By the way, finding out that she actually like, that's her like nickname floored me when we were yeah. in Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. I knew, I I met her as Misty um, when I went and I did like a little um, workshop with uh, Madeline Anthes at Arcadia one summer, um, and that was, was just saying, a really. Or I think it was her husband who was saying that like he first met her under that name too. Yeah. 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 And Alex is just a wonderful person. If you're in Philly, by the way, and you're listening to this, go to a novel idea on Passyunk. There, it's like. It's the hub of a literary community in Philly that is just really special. If you want to join a coven and... Yes, they do witchy things. Learn about necromancy and I forget what else she said. She had like an entire like section, not about like cannibalism, but like witchcraft that had to do with cannibalism. Well, I kind of like, I mean, I've only known witchcraft mostly from Supernatural. And I think that was a lot of cannibalism in that show. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> see i just know like the white woman instagram version of witchcraft but like ever since i was at uh her store i bought quite a few books so i'm learning yeah. that's funny yeah it was like really nerdy like as the publisher would be like oh, yeah, this is my event but then also being like can i buy some of this shit please <laughs> <laughs> every time i go in there man i'm like you know i'm just chatting with 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 alex and misty and i'm like um just picking books off the shelves as I go. And by the time I need to, to head out, I'll look down at the stack and it's hundreds of dollars worth of books. And like, they saw me put, put them off the shelf. You know what I mean? So I have to buy them now. Like it'd be rude to be like, nah, I'm just, I'm just looking. I'm legit. Like people are socializing post reading, coming up to me being like, Oh yeah, that's really great. Tell me more about your press and everything. Daniel DeFranco is trying to talk to me and I'm like mm-hmm. trying to look at like these books and I'm just like, I also would like uh, this t-shirt. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah. And like I had more than I could fit into my backpack. So <laughs> poor Belent is also holding a camera to film the event and is now having his arms full. Of <laughs> all that merch. And I was like, don't worry, we have a place that we're going to sleep now. We'll put that there. <laughs> That's so funny. You were missed on that day. I will have to say, like, your name came up a few times. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, I think, like, you know, I'm I'm typically, like, um, the sore thumb because I'm enormous. And it's like, hey, I can sense a 6'3 presence that's not here. Um, and, and that might be the only reason. Other than that, it's just like, oh. Also, you kind of have... And I don't know, sometimes it's like an insult towards some people and they're like, oh, how dare you? But then other people are like, oh my God, it's totally true. You give Golden Retriever vibes. (laughs) And I fucking love that. So it's almost (laughs) like, that energy isn't here right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's, um, That's so funny. Because like, I'm just thinking about my dog and I was like, yeah. Just wants to make people happy. 
know what I mean? Yeah. And I think I think I like to see people happy too. I uh, so yeah, that's actually really sweet. I I love that. Thank you. So, are you going to be doing any more events? I hope to. Show? I hope to. The 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 Barnes and Noble event was going to be happening this weekend, um, and it, you know it fell through, which is a real shame. Um, so, like the I guess like the quote unquote tour is over. The 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 five date tour that took six months to put together in terms of you know contacting people and stuff. You could be like Taylor Swift and do another leg. We won't judge. <laughs> well, I think I, I, I would like to, but. I started a. I just started a new job, so I, I can't take much time off at the moment. Um, but I would love to. I, w- I would love to go to more places. I want to go to Chicago. Obviously, I've been talking about that for a long time. Maybe I'll drag you out here for my reading. Hell yes. Yeah, December ninth. December ninth. Yeah. Book oh, hasn't been announced yet. That's how weird we're being with this. Oh my god. Okay, I'm in. The, like this is like secret information. Yeah. It's actually one of those fun things where, like, I was doing a reading. um, I can't pronounce his last name, but Ben from X-Ray Press. He was hosting it, and he even was doing an introduction to me, and he mentioned the book. He's like, and I'm not allowed to give any more information from here. There you go. That's Mallory. (laughs) It's so funny when you have to do that. It's like, oh. And when, when, when Launch Me to the Stars was, like, accepted and I signed the contract and all like that, I was like, can I announce this? And Nate was like, let's just hold off for a little while. <laughs> and I said, okay, that's cool. Um, and we didn't announce it until January, and I'd asked him, like, in August. Like, I was just itching. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I was going crazy when I got all the presses interested, and I immediately was like, I want to jump for joy and say the one that I picked, and then, yeah, have to. Look keep at it you quiet. having the pick of the litter. Don't act like you don't have the pick of the litter. Listen, can I tell you? Launch me to the stars. I'm finished here. Languished in submission queues for two years. I hate that because I know yeah. that you. I, I think I saw an early copy of that, didn't I? You did. You did. And like. Yeah. What I keep wanting to push you to do is diversify. I don't want Nick to be brought to you by Malden House. I want Nick to like have like a shit ton of presses and he can just line us up. Well, it would be that would be great. The problem is like so I was like sending it to agents and every agent that actually got back to me was like, "Hey, I really like this. It's too weird. I can't sell it." And I'm like, "Great. Aren't you like isn't that your your job?" <laughs> Um, but no, I get it. It is weird. It, it's uh, weird is what's awesome these days. That's yeah, I, I feel like there's all kinds of weird shit, and I I have a hard time talking about the book itself. Like I I don't I have a hard time describing it. So like typically, I will read Stephanie Feldman's blurb in the book because it's so much more concise than anything I could say. No, I guess it is tough for an agent to pick that kind of up. I you know the kind of thing up. I don't. I'm not an agent, so I don't want to pretend to you know know what that's like but at the same time like there was it was it was long listed for uh leapfrog presses global fiction award um it there were a number of presses that were like this is really cool i would love to do this it's just not part of you know the catalog we're trying to sell 
Um, and it's, that's all fine. You know, I'm thrilled that people like reached out and told me that they liked it. Like that's really all that we're hoping for with this writing thing, you know, just mm-hmm. people to say, Hey, I like that. Um, but it was just super frustrating just because two years. And I mean, that book, I wrote the first draft in 2018 and it, you know, and it, you know, it took five years to come out. That was a whole different world. Yes, it was. <laughs> whole different world. Yeah. And then, then, then there was the problem. The, the, the question in my mind was like, well, do I update this for, you know, COVID post COVID, you know, and, and then try and put it out. Um, but I sort of, I sort of like the early COVID stuff that was coming out was cool. I kind of thought it was a little hokey. Um, I would say you don't want to be like stuck with that one label of, ah, this is the COVID thing. Yeah. And it's, and it's kind of tough, like tough to not make a, a pandemic set book be about the pandemic. So I just wanted to avoid that. Um, and ultimately I just kept it in, in the queues and like it was with uh, soft skull for two years. It was with, um, well, $2 radio is like my white whale. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to really pressing hard to the hoop for them. Um, see, this is what you gotta do. You come to Chicago and then we will escort you to Columbus because we like Columbus and we'll harass them with you. <laughs> yeah. At the store, right? Yeah. Yeah. We'll show up unannounced. Yeah, I love it. I'm sure that'll go over well. <laughs> hey, with your golden retriever personality? Yeah, right. Yeah, but like uh, I'll be like sweating and and uh, because I'm not great with newish people and when, especially when it has to do with things that I write. But oh, no, I, I also thought you kind of came off as pretty confident. Well, I mean, when you the first time we met in person, I had been at the brewery we met at for like an hour. <laughs> before you showed up, um, which was great because I got met. to have some, you know, liquid courage down. When was it that we first met? That was um, Portland. Portland. Okay. Yeah. I was trying yeah. to figure out if it was that or if it was in Denver. Um, I think Denver was second. Did we do Wasn't Denver? Tw- I know I did Denver twice. Were you in Denver? Yeah, I was, I was at both of those. I think one of those Denvers came before Portland. Oh, maybe it did. Maybe it did. There was quite a lot of drinking then, though, too. Yeah, which, you know, drinking in Denver is, is impossible if you've never been there. It's like, hey, you ever hear of al- altitude sickness? Nope. You're in trouble. Hey, that wasn't actually a problem for me at all. Oh, good for you. I was sick as a dog, like, the whole trip. <laughs> See, these days I feel like it would be because, like, Everything gets me a little sick, but <laughs> those days, no, I, I even like was looking back at like old videos I took from it. Cause that was a long time ago, dude. Yeah, it was. I yeah, it was. was plastered. I don't even know if you knew I was plastered. <laughs> One night we were at some hub and Stephen Dunn was there. Um, and I was just like listening to Stephen Dunn be hilarious and insightful while I was trying to see through this haze of just hangover and Coors Light because like the way the altitude hit me is I would have a beer be completely 
drunk. And then it would turn into a hangover within an hour. It was terrible. terrible. It was terrible. That is, wow. Yeah. Is that, uh, I I have some, like, pictures I took of you. Is Mm. that that, like, one bar? I think you're holding, like, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle thing. Yes, that's the place. Okay. (laughs) Yep. I was so sick. I was recently looking at it because I had, there's a picture of me. I was like, should I make this my author picture? No. (laughs) Yeah, dude, I was so sick. See? I didn't know you were sick. You didn't know I was plastered. <laughs> we're really good at what we do. That's so funny, man. Jesus. I think like that might just be the thing that everyone is doing in the lit world. No one knows how everyone's actually doing. We're just white knuckling it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's totally accurate, you know. And, and like that might be how everybody on earth is, but I think people are like much more capable of doing it without like a handful of Coors Lights first. I envy those people. Yeah, me too. It'd be really, it'd be really cool. So I also saw on your TikTok, not that I've been stalking you at all. <laughs> Whatever. I stalk everybody. Get used to it. <laughs> I, I, I saw a lot of cool like videos of you like playing guitar and everything. Yeah, yeah. Are you getting into that like a lot more now or... Yeah, so I'm actually, my band Grayson is, um, we're playing next week at a brewery called Broken Goblet, um, right outside of Philly with um, a, a ska band that I've listened to since I was like 14 years old. They're called the Planet Smashers, we're opening for them, um, and that's like the biggest show I've been on ever, I think. Mm. Um, so actually... Right after this, I'm eating dinner and then going to our practice space and, and running the set a couple of times, you know. Um, and, and we're writing, too. Yeah, we've been going pretty consistently since, well, we, we got back together in February 2020. So. <laughs> Bad timing. Yeah, the worst timing. Um, but we were able to trade, you know, I was able to put some stuff on a guitar, you know, guitar stuff onto a track and then the drummer had an electric set. Uh, and we were able to write songs remotely, so by the time, you know, it was okay to wear a mask around people, um, we hit the recording studio and we put out an EP in, like, July of that year, mm-hmm. um, because we were able to sit down and, and, and write, because we had a ton of free time uh, during that, during those first couple months. Why are you guys called Grayson? Very simple. I love Nightwing. And his name is Dick Grayson. You know, you think at this point I would get used to your nerdery. <laughs> but then occasionally you do that and you throw me. And I'm like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. I'm a huge Dick Grayson fan. Like he's like, I, I liked his Batman better than traditional Batman stuff. Nightwing's the best. Really cool. Like right now, it's all washing back over me. Of oh yeah, Nick likes Power Rangers. Nick oh, yeah. likes Teenage Mutant Ninja Tur- Turtles. Yeah. We've discussed Gilmore Girls. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm 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 a I'm a huge I'm like a hyper nerd. It, it's the thing where like I definitely have that like hyper nerdery. It's just most people don't know it. I think <laughs> I wear a Superman belt buckle every day. I'm wearing a Fleetwood Mac T-shirt, and I think I've been wearing it for three straight days. <laughs> <laughs> But prior to that, the only shirt that people have been seeing me in, like in my apartment building, was a Goonies t-shirt. Nice. 
That's actually what I've become known as in this building. People like to see what shirt I'm randomly wearing because it's <laughs> never a normal grown-up shirt. It's always yeah. some, like, weird shout-out shirt. That's so funny. Well, I have, like, I have several. I have, like, the Star Trek Delta um, tattooed on my arm. I have a, a Superman phrase in Kryptoni- Kryptonese uh, script. I have um, the literal Starship Enterprise on my arm. Beast Wars, Avengers, right on my arm. So <laughs> when I started the new job, I've been wearing long sleeves just so I can just, you know, sort of ease people into it. Why ease them into it? Just bring out your full personality. Well, I'm a, like, you never know what the, what the type of vibe is with a new school. Um, Cause the kids are like, it's, it's first grade through 12. So like, I don't know Ooh. if they want to sort of keep that from the younger kids, but I learned pretty quickly that it's a very artsy, progressive place. So I'm just still a little nervous about it. (laughs) I can vibe that. Yeah. Yeah. So are you going to be putting out any more EPs or are you just running with this one? Yeah. So we did, well, we then we did that EP in 2020 and then we did a single in 2021 and then re-recorded our 2013 EP uh, in 22 or maybe 21. I can't remember. Um, but right now we're, we're in the process of writing a new one. Um, and however long that takes, we all have kids. So, um, things take a little bit longer than they used to. (laughs) You're a dad band, but you're actually not dorky dads. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think all the bands we play with are dad bands too. You know what I mean? Or is dad rock just cooler these days? I don't know. I think it was just a bunch of kids that were in bands when they were teenagers who never stopped being in bands as they, you know, start making their way to 40. I'm like on your site right now. Do you actually sell physical EPs? Um, uh, used to. Um, we don't, we don't print CDs anymore, no. Aw, you yeah. should. Yeah. I have like one copy of the rest of the music I've put out over the last... 20 years um most of it being heinous back in the day like you like you couldn't just have a a dude who learned to be a a studio engineer who's like a really talented producer just in their house like we like home recordings were so bad 20 years ago they were just horrible and we were asking for money you know what i mean here this is three dollars that was not worth it so I apologize to anyone who bought that nonsense. But Naya's like cool. <laughs> Man. Uh, I don't want to listen to that stuff ever again. But I will. You will. You have to. Yeah, probably. It's an artist thing. You have to like listen to something that you're like, oh, this cringe. That bows me, though. <laughs> this is how far I've come. You really need to. I, I was, yeah. like, reading some of my older shit the other day, and I was like, oof, yeah, alt-lit. Yeah. My Weird personality. Uh, my professor at uh, Arcadia for my MFA um, loves to tell the story that my application stories were horrible. <laughs> like, so bad that if I hadn't gone in and, like, spoken to him and, and like, talked about, like, what my goals were he would have rejected me. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. yeah. No, and I look back now and I'm like, I get it. 
I get it. I was like trying to be Michael Chabon, and you cannot do that. Mm-hmm. You had to develop your own voice. Yeah, yeah, because I was trying to write like these massive sentences, uh, and they were terrible. I mean, I Just think horrible. you've definitely gotten. Well, obviously, you know I'm a fan of your writing, or else I wouldn't have published it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got I've gotten more concise and. Um, like the one thing that he did say that he did like was he said that I had like a like an instinct for storytelling. So there's this one scene in, in the story that I sent where um, a person drops a towel in this one particular moment. Um, and he said that was the thing to do there. And many people might not have done it. Um, so it, that was pretty neat to hear. It is pretty cool to hear. Yeah. See, I, I kind of wish sometimes that it would have done like an MFA because I, I would love to actually hear someone like say things about my writing that I might not have like noticed before. Mm-hmm. I'm sort of getting most, that now, but yeah. Yeah. It was the best decision like I, I, I ever made um, because I, I didn't, I wasn't a lot of really talented, like Bud Smith like saw... Uh, and I think he saw like a flyer for a poetry reading that had like a poem on it stuffed in a toilet at like a hardcore show and said, I can do that. And then he just started to write and he, you know, turned out to be this brilliant writer. Cause like he has like this, this, this way to sort of, of uh, sort of absorb material and learn from it while also imbuing himself into it where I was just sort of like. I had no idea how to get better. And like, I didn't have any friends that wrote uh, aside from two friends that I had in college. And when we graduated, we sort of, you know, went our separate ways. Um, And, you know, doing the MFA was a thing. I got rejected from a different MFA program um, until I found Arcadia's. Um, But it was, it was just such the, the, the thing I needed to be able to learn how to, you know, sort of take, you know, raw instinct that my professor was talking about um, and turn it into a good story. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without it. Now, a lot of people have lousy experiences with MFA. You know what I mean? So I get that. But I'm like one of the the proponents of it. It was just also like it kind of sold it to me as like a, an investment in yourself. There's like no real return on it monetarily. Um, but if you're prepared to make that sort of sacrifice, um, it's really hopefully a positive experience when you do. How many stories are, okay, let's go instead of stories. How many books have you released? Totally? Um, five, um, four in a chat book. Okay. And two of them are ours. Yeah. Good grief and this distance. Yeah. And then I did, uh, with a difference with Trident, I did rare encounters with sea beasts and other divine phenomena with 30 West. And then, uh, launched me to the stars with Trident again. I'm going to meet 30 West on Saturday. Josh is the best. Yeah. He's going to come down to printer's row. Nice. 
That'll be, it's always fun. Everyone always eventually comes to Chicago, so I really don't have to travel to meet most people. <laughs> <laughs> it's always like yeah. you're sooner or later going to come over here. Yes, tell Josh I said hello. Please, he's, he's a terrific person. Yeah, I imagine you guys definitely have been in person, like he's near you. Yeah, he lives 10 minutes away. <laughs> oh, God. See, like, I went to his so apartment, and we put that chapbook together, like, physically made it. That's hilarious. It was, it was awesome. That's why I went with it, because their chapbooks are handmade, mm-hmm. and I really wanted to have a part of that. And Josh has just been doing it for so long that, you know, he, he sort of taught me how to do it, gave me a crash course. And um, the copies that he did are much better than the ones that I did. But, you know, it's, it's, it was just a really cool experience to see something that you did from the very start to its inevitable finishing point. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you're working on something else you were sort of saying earlier. When I say earlier, I say months ago when I was first setting my work out. Yeah, yeah. No, I wrote a, I wrote a, um, a novel last summer. Um, normally I take a pretty long time to write a book. Um, but this time I said I'm going to write it as fast as possible and I'm going to put it out in, into the world as fast as possible. Because it it's pretty wild and, and, and weird. Um, but that's another one that I've, that I, you know, it's been sort of in queues for about a year. Um, and that's okay. I, I don't want to like, you know, ape on launch me to the stars time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to give that some, some time to breathe because launch me to the stars is like, uh, like I'm proud of both things, obviously, but launch me to the stars is sort of like a special sort of reflection of my own you know, experience with anxiety and depression and, um, you know, it was just a really personal thing. Um, whereas the book I wrote last summer was straight, like sort of balls to the wall creativity. Let's just see what I can get away with. Um, you and, and it's I pretty are very cool. heavily on the same wavelength. I'm all, I'm loving that. Yeah. It's, it's a different way to think for sure. Um, I think one of the, the issues I have, um, you know, is caring is like becoming so protective of the characters you're writing that it sort of holds back the story. Um, so I, I wrote about two characters, actually dozens of versions of two characters who aren't very likable, but also sort of endearing when they're together. Um, and I, not being so beholden to, you know, like, you know, just feeling this deep sort of visceral love for them just mm-hmm. made the stories go wherever they needed to go. It was a really neat experiment. And obviously you won't see the title because you don't want to jinx it. Correct. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I get it. Like, you know what the title of my book was, but it's actually yeah. been changed. So Has I it? Don't, yeah. Oh, wow. I know. I didn't know it yeah, was this... going to be changed until last week. <laughs> this one probably needs a change, too, um, to be truthful, because it's pretty silly. Um, but we'll see when somebody, if somebody decides to take it, you know. I mean, it goes into the whole thing of you need another set of eyes on it, and then suddenly totally. they find something else, and they're like, it hinges on this, and this is what the story actually is. And you're like, yep. whoa. That was yeah. what was in my brain this whole time. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's why we, you know, 
you know, that's why I kind of stay away from, I, I chose to stay away from self-publishing because, you know, self-publishing sort of cuts out that peer review that I, I just find really valuable for my own work. You know what I mean? Like, it, I think it's part of the same school of thought that like the MFA taught me where, how to do this thing, um, taught me how to trust people with my work. And I'd rather trust people than sort of question myself forever. Yeah, no, I definitely vibe that. I wish I had that confidence to trust people with my work more mm. when I was younger, but I think I'm better at it now. It's a, it's a, it's a, I don't want to say like it's a thick skin kind of thing because it's like, Oh, I know. I, it definitely kind of is. You have to build that thick skin. Yeah. Because it's, yeah, I guess it's just a matter of like, you know, you, you want to find people who will say the true things that need to be said in a kind way. Ooh, yeah, that, that one is the most specific thing in a kind way. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, I've gotten feedback, uh, even in the MFA, um, from people who've just slaughtered a piece of work. And that shit hurts, man. That That's like, it's, it's horrible. It's horrible. Um, and there's better ways to say things. There's better ways to, you know show appreciation for the time and effort that it takes to put in into, into what we do. Um, and Some people just love doing that though. Yeah. I mean, that, that's sort of like, that, that's like the internet, you know what I mean? The internet is full of just nothing but meanness and, and cynicism and nasty, horrible, you know, shit posts. Um, when, and and that's that's sort of that used to be like a reflection of like or a, or like an outlet for people's you know shit like that but now it's like that's become like who people are yeah i mean it hasn't stopped being the third place the third place just got hostile yeah and it's 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 ugly and like you and you can never really interpret like a a tweet or a comment I think people like, especially people who, who say things in jest, it don't come across that way, dude. <laughs> you know? That's why they have to say LOL before right. or after. But like, if it you're as old as me, LOL just feels like, who am I kidding? <laughs> <laughs> See me, I do LOL and it's not even like I'm trying to be funny. It's a, I'm saying this in a nice way. Right. <laughs> sort of like diffuses the thing. Even if it's something that can't even be taken as, like, it, it, it'll just be, like, a serious thing. It's going to be like, oh, I just want you to know that I have a happy tone. <laughs> right, right. Like, no, I don't know how else to show you. Yeah. <laughs> that's the way to be, for sure. Like, there's actually, there has to be, like, a better way to show, like, I'm good. Everything's chill. Because if I did actually, like, most of my tweets, like, as just regular tweets instead of the ellipses... I think people would think that I was like really depressed or pissed off all the time. <laughs> Listen, I, I'm, 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 I feel very similarly about like my tweets. Like I used to think I was really funny and I'm like, no, this is just, this just sounds like a curmudgeon sitting on a porch with a hose waiting for a kid to come by having a great day. So you can ruin it. I mean, I only learned, I want to say, a year and a half ago 
when a few times I did tweets, which are like dark humor tweets, but mm-hmm. Dave would text and be like, so it was all well by you? <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, damn, it was a joke. That's funny. It's funny. Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just the worst. It's just but the worst. It is good when you have writer friends who are like, I just need to check this tone. You good? Yeah, right. <laughs> like, was this very funny or is this a cry for help? I need to know. Yeah, right. It's like, just, just let me know from one to ten. You know, where are we on the spectrum of that? For sure. But okay. Thank you very much for being on episode 100. Um, thank you for having me. Episode 100 and, wow, and counting, right? That's really great. Yeah, definitely. And thank Miles for me for his little I will. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, that was Nick Gregorio. I can't begin to thank everyone enough for just listening to this show, let alone listening to 100 episodes. I also want to thank Nick for being the first writer to give us a chance and be on it. Check his website, nickgorio.com, to find his writing, music, and his many books. Be sure to check the show notes for all the proper spellings and links. And as always, please check out our Twitter, at PodHealing, and take a look at our website, textualpodcast.com. Show us support by going onto Apple Podcasts and leaving us a five-star review or subscribing and rating us on Spotify. And don't forget about the Patreon. It's so helpful, and I would super appreciate it. We want to keep this show going. This is Mallory Smart. Again, 100 thanks for listening to this show.